0: And now your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you, and the truth that is rooted
1: within me. Hi, and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Recovery Wednesday. It's Wednesday, March the 16th. 2016. And their call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show. And if any of you are listening and you're part of the Recovery Wednesday discussions, if you would hit one on your phone, that'll bring you to the top of the list on the switchboard and I don't have to go scanning down through all the callers to find you and get you turned on so that you can join in the conversation. So first of all, uh, Michael asked me to talk for just a few minutes. So uh, what we are about on Mind Shifters Radio is about shifting your mind. It's about getting rid of all of the things that don't belong in your being. You know, you're created in the image of the creator, and it says that the creator is love. So that's the stuff you are made of. So if you hold anything less than that in your being, then, you know, whether that's fear, guilt, shame, anger, you know, whatever, that doesn't belong, and it actually becomes your disease. And so our work is about how do you go inside and remove that? It's not about forgiving another person, letting them off the hook for what they trigger in you. But it's about going inside and actually removing all of those things that don't belong so that regardless of what happens in your world or happens in your space, you can stay connected to the creator, stay connected to your source. There's a, a little poem. We actually have it on the website. You can look it up. It's called The Rose and the Butterfly and there's a rose or a butterfly, and they meet, and they fall in love, and they have this awesome time, until one day the butterfly flies away. And because the rose thinks there is nothing greater than the love of that butterfly, it uproots itself to give chase. And what's going to happen to the rose when it uproots? It's going to die, because it made something else more important than staying connected to its source. Same thing happens with us. Anytime that we think that our fear or anger or whatever... Is more important that we have to hang on to that than we've initiated our own death. We have disconnected from our source. And so this work is about shifting your mind, changing your reality to get back to that connected state where we're designed to function, designed to be all the time. And so once again, a whole bunch of other people just popped in on the switchboard. If you are part of the Recovery Wednesday discussion, if you would press 1, that brings you to the top of the switchboard. And I don't have to go looking for you. And I can get you turned on so that you can join in the conversation. So, Michael, are you with us yet? I guess not yet. So I will keep talking. I am. First, I will walk. Oh, okay, there you are.
2: I am. I just had to get past my mute button, sweetie. So welcome once again, everyone. We appreciate your participation in Mindshifters Radio, and especially this Wednesday session where we are talking about recovery, and you know, there's a there's an interesting piece of information that shows up in the instruction set that's called the Beatitudes from Matthew, the book of Matthew, and the way the Greeks translate this particular passage. is that we will be blessed if we mourn our wrongs. And if you look at that passage, and this this ties right in with the whole idea of recovery, and of course the, the core of the recovery principle is that we all started out exactly the same way. If you hold a newborn child... You know exactly how you're designed to function. If you're not functioning in that 24/7, 365, then you need recovery. And the particular beatitude that was talked about, mourning your that, that talked about pardon me, mourning your wrongs, in Aramaic says, a latent neural structure implanted by God to guide you to happiness and well-being becomes your conscious possession you who love truth, who look into your errors in thought and the errors of your society, for you will be cured of mental stress. Now, why do people default into things like alcohol and drugs? My offering is that every alcoholic, every drug addict, and it doesn't matter what your drug is, if your drug is rage granddaddy of all the drugs then you're a drug addict if you default when the stress is up and the chips are down that is when your infantile demands aren't being met if you default to rage you're a drug addict if you default to i need sugar you know we're up to the the latest statistic i just heard the other day came from a friend of mine who's a physician And she had been at a meeting, and they were saying that the average sugar consumption in America today is 250 pounds. We were in a meeting the other day, and someone talked about the fact that the uh, the Mormons prohibit the use of coffee. And someone else kind of snickered at that, at how foolish that was. And I pointed out that coffee is a way to produce cortisol in the body, but one of the most reliable ways aside from hostility and cortisol literally digests the immune system. And the response when I said that was, well, you know, uh, in moderation, a little doesn't hurt. And it's like, so a little poison's going to be okay. All right, well, hey, you know, go for it. But why do people default to these things? It is because there is such deep pain that. The ability to function without an anesthetic becomes difficult. You know, we've we've mentioned a few times the uh, the awesome song, and if you haven't looked it up and listened to it, it's of course a, a free listen on YouTube. Alanis Morissette called "Madness," and she talks about how this madness exists in her, and she thinks it's someone else's and how the thought of just being with that madness leaves her literally just so petrified that she can't move. And then she goes on to say, and now I realize that the madness in me goes on when you're not in the room. If there's a madness in you that goes on, unconsciously, then you need to love truth enough to work through that madness, to learn to forgive. And the the whole core of the tools that we're teaching here is the tool of removal, the virus removal tool called forgiveness. In Aramaic, as Jeannie said earlier, has nothing to do with me letting you off the hook because there's madness in me. If my fist clenches, if my chest tightens, if my belly tightens, if my neck goes into a crick, if I hold my breath in your presence, it's my madness that is the problem, not yours. Now, you may have your own particular brand of madness in that situation, and that will be your problem. But you'll notice how most people live in denial, and they're always talking about somebody else when their madness comes up. We all started out as this awesome, active presence of love. And the quote that I came across that I thought was particularly fitting to to the uh, Recovery Wednesday show and looking from another perspective, another point of view, came from a gentleman named Samuel P. Huntington. Uh, He wrote a book called The Clash of Civilizations. And in that book... He writes about the root of post traumatic stress disorder. Of course he doesn't call it that. Doesn't have a clue that's what he's saying. Or at least the book doesn't reflect it from what I've seen of it. But he says this and 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 recognize and, and I'm I'm doing this in this particular season because everybody's out there rah rah rowing about, you know, go go vote for that candidate. But let's let's just listen to what Huntington had to say. He said the West won the world not by the superiority of its ideas or values or religion, but rather by its superiority in applying organized violence. Westerners often forget this fact. Non Westerners, he says, never do. And when you think about that and then you listen, you know, if you've been watching debates, if you've been watching these candidates talk about each other, if if that state of the world is okay with you, then probably you need recovery, recovery really, really deeply. And the recovery will be enhanced for every person on the planet. If we could find someone who will lead this civilization from a different conversation to make a different conversation meaningful means that we're going to start to have to have different conversations with ourselves if you listen to the violent words that come out of the mouths, what what would the political game be like? What would the world be like? What would the religious conflicts, the secular conflicts, the, the financial conflicts, what would that whole game look like? If those who were heading up each aspect of the conversation, before they could enter into even running for public office, had to actually pass the test of being a human being. Now, you might say, well, they've all got bodies, so the human being, excuse me, having a body, I would offer, does not qualify one as a human being. You know, if if a person is dead, there's a body there. There's not a human being there. And if you hold the newborn child, you get to see, you get to experience directly exactly what human life is. And when we experience ourselves as human beings, we have a different conversation than the conversations that are being had today with the violence that goes on around us. When you understand the way the human mind works and the human mind is in pain the reason the human mind is in pain is not because of what happens in its world. Again, one of the core things to be overcome in order to move out of a codependent state, in order to move out of the addictive uh, substances and habits of this world is that one has to take responsibility. And so, When we are willing, as that beatitude says, and again, it's not about mourning your wrongs, it says, a latent neural structure implanted by the creator to guide you to happiness and well-being will become your conscious possession. You who love truth, who look into your errors in thought and the errors of your society for you'll be cured of mental stress. Everyone who uses an addictive substance is under mental stress and they're trying to manage their stress by the use of that substance. And and it's not just substances; it's any circumstance, person, place, thing, or activity that's used in order to keep from feeling and following their highest guidance or in order to keep from feeling and communicating about what's going on inside of them. And so... If we, if we just look out into the world and say, you know, I just can't stand the sight of that person. It pains me just to see them. The person who would make such a statement is living in denial, and sooner or later, if there is no other mechanism for getting rid of the stress of that, then they'll turn to some sort of substance in order not to feel that which pains them, so if if you can think of someone and say, well, you know i just I just can't stand the thought of them I just you know it just pains me so deeply to imagine that, then you realize that what pains you is not the sight of another person or what another has done or is doing, but it is what you have connected in your mind to your brain's image of that person. There's a thing called the file folder effect. And the file folder effect says that when two files fire together, they wire together. You know, I use a simple example. You've probably heard me do it in the workshops. And I say, don't think about a purple alligator and what happens. If you've never hooked those two files together before... They are now inextricably linked together in your mind. If I started next week's show with don't think about a purple, alligator would be what would come up in your mind because those things are now linked. If we have a clean, clear, open file with another person, then... When we look at that person, we are with that person, we say, I feel great. Everything's cool. I really like being around that person. But if that person resonates our sadness, our grief, our rage, our fear, our hatred, our pain, our vengeance, and we don't understand that it belongs, that energy belongs to us, then we hook it into our brain's image of them. And then whenever we're in their presence, we will experience that which is going on within us. You know, think of someone who's been through a trauma and there's a particular object that was involved in that trauma. And, you know, we've all seen this story or watched it on television or a movie or whatever, and just the thought of that object in the future causes that person to cringe. Why do they cringe? Because of that object, the object to be totally neutral cringe because of what they've hooked up to their brain's image of that object. If you cringe at the thought of another person, that cringe is an energy inside of you that you will either sooner or later anesthetize, or you'll go, oh, that's mine. I can remove it. And when I remove it, I get free. I will be cured of mental stress because I've looked into the error in my thought that had me thinking that it was they or their behavior or their action or their activity that caused my pain. All trauma that people experience is energetically stored inside of themselves. All trauma can be forgiven, that is, removed. If you haven't used the forgiveness tool yet, we invite you to go to our website, www.whyagain.org. And about, oh, scroll halfway down the page, and you'll see a big red and white bullseye in the middle of the page. Click on the bullseye, and that will lead you to a whole series of links that will explain exactly how to proceed with how to remove from your structure. Now, it's going to take building some new brain cells. If you think forgiveness is, I forgive you, I let you off the hook, I forgave myself, you're in for a rude awakening because that's got nothing to do with forgiveness. It's going to take the undoing of a lot of errant data and engaging in the truth of how the process actually works to get free of your internalized hostility and fear that when it comes up the world has taught you to talk about someone else. And this has been going on so long. You know, I look at that quote uh, that I just read and it's it's just so uh, insane and yet so insightful to recognize that organized violence is what has made us stand up in the world and that organized violence has been done by and to everyone in the culture. We need to look into our errors in thought and our society's errors in thought. And so I'd love to throw the conversation open to anybody who is uh, is with us for Recovery Wednesday and uh, see what that brings up for you, see what thoughts that brings forward. Jeannie, have we got any hands up? Dr. Well, we've Tibb got
1: Dr. Tim and Gail with us.
2: Okay, well, let's say hello to Dr. Tim and see if he has any thoughts in that regard.
3: Well, hello. I, uh my thoughts were just about, um, I-, I loved what Gail had said earlier when she's, she was talking about listening to you and you said that what I'm recovering and what I need to recover is this connection to my source, my human life. Yep. And what I'm in recovery for, whether I'm trying to get rid of some of my anger or fear or sadness or I'm trying to break a dependence on another addictive substance, I'm in a recovery process whose goal is to restore me to that direct awareness of my true nature 24 hours a day all year long. And so that's what I'd like to focus on, whatever takes me out of that. You know, we had our Tuesday group last night and somebody had a negative reaction to something I was talking about in the group. And the point I was trying to make is that the content of the discussion is irrelevant as soon as somebody has an angry reaction to it. Now someone has shown us they have pain in them or they have fear in them. And the most loving thing for me to do is to quit talking about the content of the discussion and focus on what I perceive as pain or fear in them and offer to support them dismantling it. And if I do that, I'm helping them in recovery. I'm helping them remove the pain and fear which will if it isn't removed eventually, deteriorate their mind and body and or drive them to use their addictive substance again. So, that's my offering for today. And I'd love awesome. to hear Gail's comments on that.
2: Awesome, right on track, sir. Thank you. Muchas gracias. Gail, how are you, young lady?
0: Uh, I'm in a difficult space.
2: <laughs> Tell us about I'm it. I'm
0: vacillating between just puking all over everybody and um, maintaining a space, um, a better space.
2: <laughs> oh, so what's up for you? How can we support you?
0: Um, I'm feeling, um, and I think I could tie this in very well with uh, the violence um my default button is is violence and to be very hostile, and um, and um, based on I mean you were so right when you said the intensive begins as soon as you leave um, because <laughs> I've definitely been in a healing crisis that has been triggered by what happened to my home while I was gone. And I keep Ooh, discovering next level. new new things that have either been removed from my house or been ransacked through and rummaged through. Or um, I didn't need to call the police over the weekend and ask them to come over to determine whether or not meth was smoked in my home um, because of the fumes. I originally thought it was cigarette smoke, and then um, I was like, what is the smell? And it, it wasn't meth. Um, it was it was bleach. It was some sort of bleach and another another um object. But anyway, it it just it seems like every day I'm discovering new things and um as a result I've been paralyzed. And I heard Jeannie's voice this morning. Um I she was in my head somehow. And she asked the question um when was the last time that you were paralyzed like this? And it's like, oh, shit, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> so I've been asking myself this question, how did I manifest this? How did I put myself in this position for this to happen? Um, and how do I not retaliate violently because I really wanted to? Um, and I have been able to be do responsibility communication with this individual via text and I've also known enough that I need to stay away from her because I know I, I don't trust myself right now. Um, so right. the best I can do right now is um, I laid out um, my expectations from now um, and uh, as a request and um, the reason why I allowed her to be in my house and um, my feelings and so that that's what's going on for me is um I'm paralyzed and and I was paralyzed until I answered that question for myself the last time that I was paralyzed like this um was when I was attacked by that manager at Arby's. um I'm sorry at the fa- first fa- fast food restaurant that I ever um job that I ever had when I was 16 I was attacked by a manager and um just that being paralyzed, um, uh, that that lack of safety, um, that feeling of hopelessness, helplessness. Um, because I I can't I'm not even safe in my own home. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't safe in my own home. Then um, I'm feeling I was very safe in my home before. And now I feel violated. I feel desecrated. I feel like my my home is my sacred space. And um, so, anyway, if you have any, any, anything <laughs> to add well, to that.
2: Well, um, I do. I do. And the first thing I'd like to add is that you've got everybody that's on the show breathing with you and holding the space so that all of this that has been resonated by these events, you can be free of. What did you do to create this? What did you do to create this? You said, creator, I'm ready to go to the next level of my healing. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's all you need to... Get to open the space for the next level to move and to be removed. And notice that you you express thoughts in this conversation as feelings. I feel desecrated. I don't okay. really think you can feel desecrated, but you've got the thought that you've been desecrated.
0: Okay, that and works. And therefore
2: you and therefore you feel pain or hurt or you know you can't feel violated you can be violated and you can hold the thought that i have been violated and what is my feeling is it rage is it just uh grief what what is something's been shattered in me If something's been shattered in me, I need to be able to accurately see that or experience that as a thought that I have and to bring back together that part which is shattered, I'm going to be looking at the goal that I hold that brings that forward in me and, you know, who knows if you look at just those few words, how many times in your generations – those kinds of experiences have happened. And then for a 16-year-old girl to be taken advantage of by a manager of a store where she's working, uh, you know, I mean, that's just insanity. And so it's, it's a matter of recovery, of removing those pieces that are unlike the truth of who you are, So that you can be in any space in the world and you can maintain the integrity of your being, of the truth of who you are. And so we're here to hold the space to support you in clarifying all of that and getting back to the place where you recognize that your true safety comes from your connection to being, to love. It doesn't come from something outside of you. If I think that my safety comes from something outside of me, then the minute somebody comes along and violates that, my safety is gone. If I realize that my safety comes, and there's a great statement in the Old Testament that says, you know, here's the Creator love saying to you and I, if you have relationship full relationship with me you can walk through a battlefield where a thousand or 10,000 will die and you can't be touched that's where your safety is but if i give up my relationship with the active presence of love in me then i give up my creatorship to that which is less than love in me and i'll find myself drawing circumstances that match that energy or that frequency. In other words, I'll draw attack. And so we're just here to hold the space for you to move through this next deeper layer of what I know you're committed to dealing with in your life. And in the presence of whatever external violations have occurred, even in the presence of the violation of your own body, as happened when you were sixteen, that you can be restored to that presence of love and reconnect to that presence of love. and And what happens in that space is that every trauma that's ever occurred, because of the power of active love that throws through your fo- pardon me flows through your form, Those lesser energies will literally be burned off, will be literally blown off of you. And I hear your pain.
3: Michael, on the chance that that Gail isn't completely blown away by the intensity of your response, which is deep (laughs) and pure... And right on target. I just wanted yes, to. Yes, I am
0: good with everything. I want. I am good with everything that Michael said. But go ahead, Tim. I'm ready I, I, for your. I just input wanted to well.
3: add. I, I I don't want you to to feel like you're being pounced on. But when you when you said the phrase, "My home is my sacred space," what went off in my mind was, Gail, you have the ability to create sacred space wherever your mind and body is, and that's your sacred space. The energy of love and intention you bring with you in every interaction—that's your sacred space. You don't need anything outside of you. Just as Michael said.
0: Understood, and and I don't feel pounced on. I, I cherish I cherish both of your input.
2: And so, we anyway, are breathing yeah, with you for... <laughs> and holding the space. I mean, that's intense. That's. I mean, when when what resonates, and you know, I talked in the introduction about the file folder effect, and what resonates is an innocent sixteen-year-old girl being sexually attacked by a, an adult male in a job where, you know, she should be able to trust and be taken care of. That's that is one of the biggest insanities that's been happening on planet Earth for too, too long. And I, for one, will stand up as a representative of the male aspect of the species and offer you deep, deep apology for the fact that that could even happen.
0: And what was in tandem with that was the stepfather moving in, I mean, very, very shortly after that. And what I came into touch with at the intensive was the hypervigilance at the intensive and then the waiting for it to be quiet. And then when it was quiet, being too exhausted to do my work. And so that was a huge piece for me to realize that that's how I've been operating for a very long time is this vigilance and waiting for things to get quiet in order to concentrate and do what I need to do and then being totally and completely exhausted. So that piece came up as well today after I heard Jeannie's voice say when was the last time you, you were this paralyzed? So I appreciate all yeah. that you offered and I didn't even know where to go as far as feelings were concerned because the, the top feeling is murderous rage and What's underneath it is what I need to get in touch with, which I think is a it, what it feels like is a bottomless pit of grief. I hear you. That feels like it's just going to fall in the hole.
2: Uh, so the good news is it's not a bottomless pit. It's just a pit, and you can empty it. And you've emptied a lot of it, and you're continuing to empty it. So I understand it does feel bottomless it feels endless. And one of the reasons it feels endless is because you know if you remember that that song t- tune how long has this been going on <laughs>
3: how
2: many ge- how many generations that's what makes it feel bottomless but here you are with the knowledge that you can do something about it and change it for all the generations who had no clue, but to go to total hopelessness because there were no tools and there was no reprieve from it.
0: Agreed, and I'm ready. And thank you for the redirection on thoughts and um, thoughts and feelings and and your input because that helped a lot. And thank you for the validation.
2: That's a powerful piece of work to even entertain doing, and a an empowering set of skills that will come to you and develop in you as you do this huge piece of work. You know you've heard me speak before about the uh the parable of that Yeshua gave of the workers in the field, and somebody went into the field at 8 o'clock in the morning and the person who went in at 4 in the afternoon got the same pay and the person at 8 was like, well, look, I've worked a long day in the hot sun and I'm getting the same as him. And yes, you get the privilege of being the person who comprehends the depth and the level of work and the work that is there to be done and you're opening the space for millions yet unborn.
0: And I'm okay with that. And that's that's a, pow- yeah, very it's a okay powerful that. gift. It's a powerful
2: gift to give. I hear you. It's a powerful gift to give.
0: If this releases my daughter from this, I'm okay with it. If this releases, Yay.
2: if
0: this if this releases my grandson from this, I'm okay with this.
2: Yes. I hear you, and you know you've just given us. Uh, a bird's eye view, you know, that line from Alanis Morissette. Thanks for this bird's eye view of
3: what recovery is. You've
2: just given us the perfect Thank you bird's for the eye view. <laughs> a, gener- a generous trigger, this person was. The most And a bird's trigger. eye view. <laughs> yeah yeah that birds eye view of what it is that that we each need to to grasp in us what we each need to be able to take a hold of and throw out of our systems that is you know what's become called post traumatic stress disorder you know anybody brought up in this civilization the birth process creates post traumatic stress disorder the simple yeah, violence of the language of the culture You know, I mean, just listen to these guys on television and and what they're talking about in this political process and, and, you know, just how it all ties together. And and what we're really recovering from is that viciousness, that violence, that vile insanity of the non-being mind. And what we're recovering into is the truth of who we are. Is that the gentleness of the newborn child? And you know, I don't think we can. And I think I mentioned this yesterday, or the day before, but I don't think we as adults, because we have been so violated, and it just you know, it's kind of like people say you become, you get develop thick skin. I don't believe anybody's got thick skin. People have got great covers for their pain, but nobody's got thick thick skin. But but just to comprehend what this sweet, innocent presence of love experiences. The minute that you know, at two or three months of age, I mean we hear of babies who are shaken to death at two or three months of age, six months, a year, two years. The 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 assault to the senses and the sensibility and you know the the song title comes to mind, or the line in the song about Vincent Van Gogh, who I don't know. I think he was in his late twenties when he committed suicide. You know, and the song that the, the song that was written about him. You know, this world was never meant for one as beautiful as you. And the truth is, it was meant for each of us in our beauty. And the work of cleaning it up from the insanity is our work. So that that beauty to come, that newborn innocence and essence is supported in love and caring and nurturing by a culture that from the top down that the president would never say a word to violate the energy field of anyone, let alone a child is the kind of culture that, you know, from where I sit, we're working toward. And that's the culture of recovery. And it's a big piece of work. So thank you for giving us that uh, that picture and, and for your openness and willingness to, to, to take a hold of it and you know, grab that little sucker by the neck and start to throw it out on another level. It's powerful. It's powerful modeling.
3: Thank and Gail, you. Thank you. Gail, I wanted Go to ahead. say that when you were talking about that deep pit of grief, it brought to mind, and, and clearly your emotion was up at that point, and Michael's trying to point out that it's not bottomless. And what came to my mind was in my early 30s when I was in grad school, And I'd come to the second or third time in my life where I was near that complete, quote, nervous breakdown point, overstressed, trying to say yes to everybody about everything, trying to live as though there were 48 hours in a day. And I finally went into analysis with a Jungian analyst to get help for this self-destructive pattern I was in and doing this deep dream analysis work. And and I reached a point where I spent, I don't know, somewhere between two to three weeks where if I wasn't in class or eating, I was on that couch crying, and I didn't know why. And I remember at one point crying and thinking, I have to stop this, I have to find a way to stop this, or they're going to find me walking the streets naked at 3 a.m., babbling about something and they're going to lock me in an institution and when i had that thought i instantly had the thought but it's okay because joe my analyst will 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 be able to get me out and because i had that support because i knew if i just kept looking at what was so infuriating and hurtful and scary to look at on the other end, even if I fell apart, I had a safety net that allowed me to stay there and stay in that process in what you were calling the bottomless pit of grief. Please use the support, people like Jeannie, people on the show, people you may have connected with at intensives, or whoever you've got locally, as that safety net. Who <laughs> do I
0: have locally?
3: <laughs> Pardon me?
0: i'm laughing who i have locally
3: (laughs) well i'm not sure See, i don't know where you've got but i'm just saying use the support to allow yourself to just lay down or cry or to go through into that pit and through it because as michael said it's not bottomless and what's on the other side of it is the healing
0: understood i heard you loud and clear um and what what you said reminded me. I remember being suicidal at the age of six. I didn't know what that meant, but I knew that I just didn't want to be here. And I remember um, thinking that my grandma would be really upset if I hurt myself or went away. And so I ended up grasping. Breathe into that feeling.
2: Breathe into that feeling, that was just just under the surface there. Let yourself be with that fully. Just before you said grandma, there was a huge layer.
0: Yeah, I felt it.
2: Yeah, so let yourself feel that fully in this space. So what was happening at six that a child would think I'd be better off if I weren't here?
0: I was asking my mom to help me spell the word zoo so I could write a letter to my grandparents and ask them to take me to the zoo. And she told me to look it up in the dictionary. I don't know how a six-year-old looks something up in the dictionary. (laughs) But also what was going on during all that. I was being molested by the boyfriend of my mother's, the the son of my mother's boyfriend.
2: So I breathe with you to let yourself just totally and completely let yourself feel that in your body the emotion that goes with that to let yourself just drop fully into that and know that the presence of love is here to help that to dissolve I suspect that uh, that you're not bringing these issues forward or talking about them for just yourself. But there are probably many other, both women and men, because I find in this work that an equal number of men have been sexually abused to the number of women who've been sexually abused. And so if there's anybody that's listening that this is resonating for you, just just be with this support and be with this breathing and and let yourself connect to the presence of love as those things surface in you that's what allows us to recover our direct connection to being and you know, as Tim was talking about yesterday, the uh, the marketing information about what it takes, what you have to grab a hold of, what you have to process through. And Tim, thanks for sharing that time. When it's awesome that you had an analyst that could take you to that depth and could be that space of support to allow that level of processing to happen. Especially in that environment with a young man who's, you know, growing and, you know, being a man in, the, in this Western civilization, and this, this ties right back to the whole the, the quote that I just read of why Western civilization has taken over the world. It's that depth of violence that we've all been impregnated with, and it is a it is an impregnation. It is a, a, a conceiving that gives birth to experiences that lead people to need some sort of anesthetic. It's, it's the whole root of recovery. And so, you know, I I certainly honor your, uh, your therapist, Joe, and your willingness to go to that level because uh, I suspect that's all part of why you can be the space that you are today and can do the kind of work that you do and have the comprehension of the tools that you have. So thank you for being an early adopter and opening the space.
0: And thank you for validating. Just grabbing on to one person, I definitely have experienced that, and I'm experiencing that now, as well.
2: Hmm. So, if you, as the being Gale, in awareness today with the work you've done were to speak to your 6-year-old self what would you tell her and the 6-year-old right. self or the sexually abused self of of anyone who's listening what would you say to her out of being
0: That conversation is difficult to have with <laughs> with uh, uh. proper communication. <laughs> anyway, I was, mm. the first thing that came out of my mouth was, oh, sweetie, I am so sorry that this happened no. to you. And I'm sorry I did not protect you. And that I there are people in your life, that I invited people in your life that would do this to you. So that sounds like your from mom's or the voice. Daughter.
2: Yes, it <laughs> sounds like mom's voice. Yeah. So let yourself receive that conversation from mom and know that mom had her own trauma and pain that she couldn't have that conversation at that point. Couldn't see, probably because she'd been through the same thing and it was more than she could handle. You know, Doctor Tim has shared with us the uh, the input of a, a woman he. I don't know, Tim, whether you worked with her or you'd seen a video of hers, but what she speaks to herself when she's in disturbance and upset is so powerful. Would you share that with us?
3: That's Sylvia Borstein. Right. She's a grandmotherly aged 70s or late 70s Jewish Buddhist.
4: Huh. And
3: she developed the practice of... Whenever she got upset, angry, sad, scared, frustrated, hurt, and she caught herself, she would put her hand on her on her chest, on her heart, and say to herself, S- sweetheart, she's talking to herself, sweetheart, Sylvia dear, you're in pain. And she would just pat her chest and she'd say, now just take a few deep breaths and we'll relax and then we'll look at what's going on and then we'll decide what to do. But for right now, Sylvia, sweetheart, you're in pain.
0: That is awesome.
3: And I highly recommend it as a thought pattern to develop, as a template to use as you develop your own way to speak gently, to think gently, to feel gently toward yourself any time you're in any kind of upset. It's, It's worked wonders for me since I heard that. Several, I don't know how many years ago, I lost track of it.
2: Sweet. definitely a a sweet piece of input. Thank you, Sylvia.
0: A lot of the physical release that I'm experiencing and have been since you had me get in touch with that grief, a lot of throat stuff, a lot of throat and neck, and also a lot of third eye chakra, pins and needles type feelings in my face. Mm Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to say that I don't know if there's anything.
2: Sounds like body memory's being processed out.
0: Okay, I needed that validation. You know, we talked a for little
2: sure. bit. We we talked a little bit about that in, in the intensive, and it sounds like the your your body's letting the cells are letting go of those memories, those those energetic violations. Got
0: you. And so I would like a, to report that's a
2: powerful that... level to go to.
0: Yeah, because there's a lot of there's a lot of energy in my neck as we experienced during the intensives. Um, I want to report that I relapsed into Girl Scout cookies when I got
1: home.
2: Oh, (laughs) oh my (laughs) goodness! Hey kiddo, if that's the worst you do, I'll have a cookie with you. Okay, there are other things I won't have with you, but I'll have a cookie with you.
0: Uh, I didn't save any.
2: You ate the whole box, eh? Okay, oh, close. That's I funny. close. Hey, if that's the worst I want you to be do, held you gotta accountable got made. for
0: for my sugar addiction.
2: Well. <laughs> if that's the worst you do, you're on track with that la- that depth of uh, of uh, energy moving and coming up. So nice piece of work. Who? I think hey, Jeannie's you. got somebody else on the line. Let's check and see uh, what uh, what's happening. Jeannie. Okay, good
1: deal. Yeah, I think it's Mr. Rex five one seven. You're on the air.
2: Oh, go Rex.
4: Hey, Dale. Hi, everybody. <gasps> Hi, Rex. Just amazing work, Gail hey, and, sir. and Michael and Snell. You know, um, really beautiful. I appreciate it. Uh it, a lot of energy moving in me, tapping, forgiving, breathing. So just I'm sure there's a lot of us out here on the program that are listening. Um, I did want to share that as one, you know, piece, very helpful. And uh Gail, there's a beautiful thing that happens, and and it can be premature, but it's important to just do the work and continue to do what you're doing. You're doing great. Um, but recognize that uh, you, as a co-creator, set up this beautiful experience. And when you can see it as a beautiful experience, it'll accelerate your healing exponentially. And that beautiful experience is the experience of having this woman stay in your home. You set that up so you could see this material, so you could have these experiences and remove all this ablet material. And and at some point, that would be a reframing that can happen in your mind that will really aid you in moving forward and letting go of those old realities that are no longer serving you. So that was one thought I had. And, uh, boy, Tim, you came up with some really good stuff as well. I really appreciated it. i um, reminding about, I can't remember what it was right now, but it was good when I heard it. And just, just great stuff, Michael. You know, beautiful. Really um, poignant. And giving all of us an opportunity to to tap into those experiences that we've had in our own own times. And the beauty of acknowledging Sylvia Brown, that or Sylvia, whatever her last name was, of acknowledging the part about just pausing and saying, "Hey, we're upset, honey." And as you were saying that, I said that to myself, Tim. And I was just like, "Okay, just just it's okay, Rexy. You're upset, and we'll be okay." And in addition to reaffirm the part about um, just saying to yourself, talk to that little child. And I use the example of when, when we're establishing, reestablishing that reconnecting to that relationship that we have set aside and not had. If you had a relationship with somebody for 50 years and you never talked to them, how good would that relationship be? So establishing a conscious dialogue and a loving dialogue. And they're, they're they're resilient, that part of us that we have you know uh set aside is ready to be embraced and willing and wants to participate actively in our life consciously so that that was the input that I had. I know we' are running out of time, but it's a hello,
2: cheey, am I cut off? No, we got you. I hear you Oh. Okay, so we're down to just the last few seconds, and I want to go back, Rex, to something you said earlier, just just to make sure we keep a balance on it. And that is to uh, to see that you know I've set this up that idea, and and to make sure that the the part that I take in that process is my responsibility for attracting something like that uh when i hear the words see that you set that up i think that people can take that uh a little too far into taking responsibility for what another does so certainly Good
4: clarification the yep.
2: person the person who violated the home uh, deserves to be held accountable for their violation That's and cool. to clean up their violation. And, and to hear that, I just want to make sure anybody who might be new to the show doesn't misinterpret that to say, oh, well, it's my fault that I did it and, and you know, moves into uh, an over-responsibility. Certainly, I'm always responsible for what I draw into my life, but each person is accountable for and responsible for their own behavior and what they do. So I just want to clear that up, and we're down to the last few st- So I'm going to have to close the show out and say thank you, everybody, for participating. Let's carry the conversation tomorrow. Blessings. Bye-bye.